So today's Daf is Zion. Uh, we are a little bit into it already. Um, and uh, although Dovri uh, uh, got us a little bit ahead, maybe I will just start um, from the top of the Daf just because it's to like to pick up the whole momentum because the whole real Daf uh, sort of starts from the beginning. So let's take a look from t- two lines from the top. So the Gemara is now moving away from talking about um, different stages of the rain, Yore Umalkoch, earlier rain, later rain, interpreting the Pasuk about when God, you know, when you're, you're given the rains at their right time. And now we get to a broader discussion about the power and the religious significance of rain, which if you think about it is really like, if not one, of, if not the major theme, certainly one of the major themes of this Mesechet. So let's take a look. Says Rabbi Yavo, great is the day of uh, great is the day of rain from the resurrection of the dead the resurrection will only be for the righteous when it rains even the wicked uh, benefit from it um, you might say for some people's perspective that might be worse why should the wicked benefit but no it's better it brings life to all and this argument because it's equivalent weight to the resurrection that's why it's in the bracha of the resurrection. And this is going even further. This is saying it's even greater than the resurrection. It's as great as the giving of the Torah. Let flow like a drain my, uh, my giving. The ain lekach, or the taking, the giving, el Torah refers to the Torah. I've given you a good purchase, a good taking, do not abandon my Torah. So it is like, so my Torah flows like rain, so my, God's Torah was given at Sinai, God's direct giving of it was at Har Sinai, and therefore that is like the rain. Ravama, Rav says, Yosem Yom Shanit Torah. It's even greater than the day of the giving of the Torah. Shanema Yarov Kamatar Likhi. Let my Torah drop like rain, flow like rain. Meaning, live with me. When you say, let A be like B, A be like B, so which, uh, which, is, which are you making dependent on which? Have you Omer, Katan, Gadol? The smaller one, you're saying, is like the bigger one. Right? So, like, uh, you know, um, um, like, I don't know, like, you know, her, her, her lips are like, Roses. So the, the the more powerful image is the rose, and the the other thing you're comparing to the more powerful image. So the pot, more powerful image here is the rain, and it's the Torah, which its power and its impact is less obvious and less powerful. That you're using the rain to give you know to give to give to, to sort of uh, um, bring you know give it its power and give it its impact. Now I, I want to say something about that because it really does reflect a reality of what's going on in these you know in in this whole Gemara, which is in the, you know, biblical texts, it's true. Something like, you know, the giving of the Torah and other things, or whatever, Torah, etc., are all compared to rain. This will be like rain, but it's low like rain, and so on. Which means that the power, the image, not just the imagery of rain, but sort of the importance of rain um, is taken for granted. And therefore, if you want to communicate that something else is like, you know, has similar sort of weight and significance, you know, you want to compare it to the thing which everybody understands its meaning of. Um, so this is like rain, and let it flow like rain. Oh, rain is beautiful, it gives life, it's nurturing, we get that. Oh, so this is like rain. You know, when the Gemara has to reverse it, the need to reverse it shows almost a reversing of a frame of reference. 
like if I, and it makes sense like if I wanted to impress upon you how important rain is you wouldn't start with a, a real appreciation of how important rain is you're not a farmer you don't work out in the fields you don't really understand why you know why you, you know on a day to day powerful emotional basis about the sense of the necessity of rain and the meaning that it rains when you need the rain so I would have to give you a metaphor so that you could appreciate it let's say you were waiting for your kid to come home from camp and you were waiting and waiting and all of a sudden how would you oh well that's like it is when it rains okay you need that metaphor because you don't live the rea- that reality on a day to day basis somebody else you might have to say the opposite when my kid came home from camp it was like the rain when it finally came you know so the question is mean it led to me really reflects a lot in terms of your experience and your frame of reference and which type of model is the more sort of powerful and emotionally resonant imagery so I think it's quite fascinating that the Gemara is actually sort of doing that it's saying if you want to appreciate how rain is look at it's as important as Torah it's as important as this whereas in the Psukim it's actually using it to communicate the reverse message so it really sort of shows you a shifting of I think frames of reference um, okay so now we have that the rain is important as the day of the giving of the Torah and it's, imp- and it's greater or equally important to the Tchiat HaMetim so I take the Tchiat HaMetim idea I mentioned the other day a point that I think I you know from Ruven Kimmelman who, who, who says that the reason they put rain in the brach of Tchiyas HaMesim I mean this is just his argument is but it's to give more uh, persuasiveness to the idea of Tchiyas HaMesim how am I supposed to believe in the resurrection of the dead well look you believe that God brings the rain right so God brings the rain what's the rain it comes from heaven it goes into the dead earth things are buried under the earth and then things sprout forth well that's Tchiyas HaMesim things are buried in the earth and then they're going to come to life so in that imagery right we don't take for granted Tchiyas HaMesim we take for granted the rain and I try to sort of give you an, a, a feeling for Tchiyafamesim by talking about the rain. The Gemara, again, is doing the reverse. Rain is so important to this greatest Tchiyafamesim. I take for a point of departure that you, you know, take for granted Tchiyafamesim, and now I'm going to help use that to help you appreciate how important <laughs> rain is. So it is quite, I think, fascinating how this suya reverses the frames of reference um, and talks about, like, where the point of departure is. Okay, so Rava Rami, Rava shows the contradiction. Ksiv, Ya'arov Kamatar Vixiv, Tizal Katali Mati. So one is let it go like rain, and the word we're going to see in a minute, Ya'arov, like La'arov, like, like you do Arifat of the Egel Arufa, is like to break the neck. So it's powerful, it's breaking rain. And Tizal Flow is like Katal do, do soft, do, do flows, it's pleasant. So which, which one is it? So, in Tamid Chacham Hagunhu, if he's an appropriate Tamid, Tamid Chacham, so um, Ketal, then let the, let the Torah, you know, sort of uh, flow, uh, drop on him like dew. Um, the in, you know, give him your Torah in a loving way. Now, by the way, I'll also remember Tamid Chacham is a student of the Chacham. So this is like if your student, you know, your young Torah student is an appropriate student, then let the flow Torah be nurturing and drop on him like do. But if he's, uh, you know, he's not acting appropriately or he's got a little bit of a character issue, um, then Orsehu Kimata, you know, break him, break his neck or whatever, break him like powerful rain. Which doesn't, I, doesn't, I, presumably isn't meant to be treated literally, but it means like, 
you know, maybe the Torah you teach has to be a harsher one because it has to do something to work and correct his character as well. And gets back to, you know, uh, the, uh, another theme that, of course, we're going to see, which we've already seen, is about how this, you know, how this leads to our sort of responsiveness and how we interpret the meaning of the rain. Like, is the rain a simon klala? Is the rain a simon bracha? You know, what type of message is coming from this? Again, here in the terms of Torah, but the fact the way the Torah you teach reflects the person who's receiving it. And that's going to have also a parallel in how we interpret the way that what we, the religious meaning we bring in to when the rain, you know, the rain, and how is the rain coming, and so on. So, which we've already sort of begun, begun yesterday. Now that we're discussing Torah, now we're going to move a little bit away from the rain metaphor and bring in new types of metaphors in the discussion of Torah. So we're going to digress a little. Thank you to discuss about Torah. If you, if you involve yourself in Torah for its right sake, the Torah will become a, um, you know, a, 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 an elixir of life. It is a tree of life for those that hold fast to it. It will be a healing to your flesh. Because one who finds me finds life. If you involve yourself in it for the not right purpose, Nazis lo samhamavis becomes a poison. Let flow like the rain my lekach, my giving, my Torah. Arifa el ariga. Arifa means to break the neck. So not here just that it's like a harsh Torah that you teach, but it actually turns into a poison. Now, this is obviously a challenging Gemara. It's not the only time the Gemara says this, because we know the normal principle of the rabbis is, from the not right reason, you know, you do things for ulterior motives, it leads ultimately to doing them for the right motives. So Tosas has the classic answer to this. If you took a look at Tosas, Tosas says, the Karsha, the Loam Rinan, Loam Yasukadam Tarafa, so the Torah and the Gemara realizes that we can't always be doing it for the ideal reason saying that, we, that it becomes a poison there are two types of not right and not ideal reason, not ideal motivations you're doing it for honor for self interest you know we all have our own personal selfish motivations even when things that are supposed to be selfless types of enterprise Prizes. with poison. You're learning it as a way of attacking, of critiquing, of you know, of being antagonistic towards the Torah. You're going to learn this in order to disprove it. You're going to learn this in order, you know, to lead people astray. That's where it's like not the low some of it. So that's you know the classic explanation given. I don't necessarily have a better one, um, but that's you know acknowledging that issue. I should also say it's an interesting question of what you mean when you say some mothers like does the Gemara mean to understand this like literally you know that you know somehow you'll be punished and you'll die as a result God will punish you you know or does this mean this like more at a religious level the same way when it says you know when the Torah gives life is that supposed to be treated literally or does that mean spiritual life yeah. you 
know. Well, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know if I translate this. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know if I translate that literally, this life just yet. I mean, but, um, I mean, in terms of resurrection as opposed to spiritual life. But anyway, but, uh, but you know, I want to hear also if the sense of mothers also just means that it leads to like a spiritual death. You think you're involving yourself in a religious enterprise, but ultimately that could lead to, you know, a spiritual death as well, depending on what your motivations is and how you might be uh, perverting it. Um, so, yeah, I, I want to also say something here because we've been talking about the use of metaphors, which is we're now going to get into a section where it's going to get on a whole discussion of Torah and using a range of different metaphors for Torah. Even though we start, the whole thing is about rain. Rain is like, you know, rain is like Torah. Oh, now we're talking about Torah. Let's talk about Torah. And then I'm going to bring in a lot of different metaphors for Torah. So I think it's also interesting, again, talking like about a shift of a frame of reference that when Torah now becomes like the central mode, so, you know, the, the, the focus of their, you know, sort of from their religious perspective, number one is to appreciate rain as opposed to the reverse. To appreciate Torah, we use rain. But to appreciate rain, we use the Torah. Rain is as important as Torah. But also, if you want to talk about Torah, then you can't, the, the Gemara almost feels like it can't limit itself to one type of a metaphor, rain. That's not a powerful enough way of communicating everything we want to communicate about Torah. So now we're going to have to, you know, bring on a whole other, like, you know, collection of metaphors to, to, uh, to give expression to all the different things we want to say. So the first one, while it quotes the rain, has already introduced two things. It's a tree of life, and it's a poison, or it's an elixir, you know. And we're going to be introducing a lot more different types of sort of images and metaphors to give a full expression to the things we want to say about, about Torah. You know, it's sort of, but on the other hand, like you wonder, you know, what does it say? Say the Eskimos have like, what is it? I don't know if you say Eskimos anymore. Yeah. Uh, what do you say? It's, uh, wh- whatever. What are the yeah, Eskimos are fine. Okay, fine. Anyway, they have like, what is it? 70 different words for snow? You know, if you really know something, I'm sure you could use, you know, the imagery of rain to communicate a lot of nuance, you know, if you really appreciate the totality of that thing. But the Gemara is going to be drawing on other types of images, and it's already started that, yes. Mm-hmm. Is, it, is it speaking about an external text, or is it speaking about the authority of the institution of the Bible? When it says, like, when God says, like, the day of giving of the Torah, or like when it says, if you learn Torah Lishma? No, when it says Oh, the Torah will become like poison. You're not learning. You know, what, what is, is that Torah? Is this Torah that we're discussing? Yes. About rabbinic authority? Um, I didn't think so. Um, what would make you say that? Because what's surprising here is that you've taken the Torah mm-hmm. and just these last uh, comments right. from being the crown and the ultimate comparison right. and the strongest source of everything in the world right. to then understanding that it can be used and abused. Right. And it suggests that it's going to rise up against those who seek to abuse it in some way. Right. And it is going to be uh, some mother. Right. Right. With, with mother, which we don't know what, what right. that means. So, who is some mother? The Torah, the, the, the Oh, so you're translating it in very pragmatic terms. If you act this way, the rabbis are going to come after you, type of a thing. Is Torah, right. Is Torah both the text and those who are yeah. authoritative interpreters of that? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, I'm not saying that the rabbis don't often sort of put themselves in the equation in a lot of places, but I, I've never really gotten a, a sense that that was what was going on here, you know? Um, Otherwise, it's sort of like the end of Raiders and the Lost Ones. Yeah. <laughs> Right, if you're going to abuse the, right. the external spiritual something, right. whatever, then it will somehow exert you. its authority. Right, that's not the end, that's the middle of the rate, that's a long time. <laughs> the end is when they bury it in the, uh, in the, yeah, they bury it. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> okay. Yes. Right. Um, yeah, I, I, I understood it to just mean the metaphysical power of God's Torah. You know, I mean, Torah very often is personified, and I don't, I, I, I don't think it's. You know, obviously, it's Torah is as the rabbis understand Torah. It's not reading the Bible like you know a Christian would read the Bible. You know, it's reading it through a rabbinic lens. But I never understood it was about rabbinic authority in these texts. Yeah. One minute. One minute. We. Yeah, Clarify the Tosafot that you read. Is, is this this distinction emerge under the influence of the Crusades during their time? Oh, you mean about people about about about? That's an interesting point. Maybe I mean it is a real problem in the text, but it is interesting that emphasis of lekanter. No, what would have? Yeah, the could be. I mean, it's not like the Gemara does not also discuss that people that try to use it to find you know to critique and so on. But that's an interesting point. I will say that Rashi says when he says Shalishma. So Rabbi understands that the Shalolishma is a simple interest of, simple, uh, of selfish, of selfish self-interest, you know, selfish interest. Yeah, you have a question? I was just going to say, I mean, I don't know if only the Rabbi Sigmar is necessarily thinking of this way, right, but if you think about the way that Rambam thinks of Hashgach Kafratid, right, that uh, it's not that, you know, you do a bad thing and God presses the, the smite button, but that... God sort of has, has built into the world certain natural consequences. Right. Right. And so, I mean, his example is, you know, that when they say Avodah Zarah destroyed the first Beit HaMikdash, it wasn't that God, you know, spoke to Nebuchadnezzar right. and said, go, it was that had they spent their time studying what they were supposed to be studying, like war, then they would have not lost the Babylonians instead of studying Avodah Zarah. Right. So I think you could so, be understanding that in a normal way, right? There are things that you could take that do, you know, if you, if you treat things the right way, they'll be uh, cured. If you take them the wrong way, they'll, they'll be a poison. Okay, let's keep on going. The Gemara says like this. Um, the Omer, okay, where are we? Okay. Um, um, five. Uh, let the master come and teach and like and, and you know and teach us some Torah. So Amalei, so he said, my heart is weak, I'm feeling a little bit ill. So I don't have the strength to give a shear. So okay, you can't give a real shear, teach some Agatha. <laughs> so I'll let that one go without comment. Amalei said to him, this is what said, my see what's meant by the verse, Ki Hadam like that obviously it's meant rhetorically as a person a, uh, a tree that you should fight against the tree in the war this is about not cutting down the fruit trees when you lay siege to a city so really should be as a tree a person but okay anyway go back anyway so it's been reading it not rhetorically because a person is a tree is a person a tree the verse says you should eat from it if it's a fruit tree and not cut it down and the other verse says if it's not a fruit bearing tree you should you should cut it down and destroy it. thought. So how does this translate? If we're tra- reading this as a human being, in if he's an appropriate Talmud student, right? That and therefore here it means like he's a fruit bearing tree. You know, his uh, learning will bear fruit, and maybe it also means he gives Torah to others. Then mimenu tochal. Then you can benefit from his fruit, and you should uh, you should learn from him. Interesting. Before we were talking about teaching this. Talmud Chacham. Here talking about like so. The, 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 here talking about learning from him. And anyway, then you can eat from him, benefit from him. Do not cut him off, which is almost goes without saying. Tosu says it means that if you want to go learn from another person, don't like cut your ties with this person. If he's a good person, even if you're not eating from him, don't cut him off. The in love, but if he's not worthy, you should destroy him. You should completely cut off your relationship with him. Don't 
learn from him if he had in, inappropriate midot. Right? So here it's interesting. On the one hand, right, the Torah, you should ha- make it a harsh Torah to try to correct somebody of poor midot. And here it's also the Torah that's produced is not one that you should benefit from. So clearly Torah is something that is very much intertwined with character and the importance um, of character. Again, though, notice, now that we're talking about Torah, we're shifting the metaphor, you know, we're staying in the agricultural world, at least for now, but we're shifting it from the rain to the trees. Okay. Um, so now the Gemara says like this. Um, okay. Uh, uh, what's meant by the word and now we go from trees and rain to other things iron against iron together tell you the same way if iron like you have two knives one of them sharpens the other you rub you know metal against itself it sharpens one sharpens the other so two uh, students of the sages sharpen one another when in the learning of halacha. It's interesting also why it shifts from Torah to halacha. I don't really have a particular insight into that. But we are now also shifting to the importance of chavruta. And this is like a theme now that the Gemara is going to turn on, the importance of challenging, you know, and rubbing against one another ultimately leads to ourselves sharpening our own understanding. Uh, oh, that's interesting. That's interesting. The sharpness you need for halacha, as opposed to a minute ago, you won't be able to teach a garata. I hadn't thought about that. Maybe you're right. Maybe it is a sharpness you need in the halachic realm. Okay, I'm a rabbi barbarchana. Lama nimshalu Again, what to me is what stands out about all of these is the is the multiplicity of images that are being produced about Torah, starting from a whole focus on rain. Okay, why is Torah like fire? Shenemar, as the verse says, "Hello, kodivarai keish nu mashem." So are my words like fire, says God. Lomalachat to tell you, ma'ish inodolek yichidi. The same way you can't start a fire by a, with a single log of wood. Aktivei Torah ain't mekayim biyichidi, or you know, won't stain by one log. You need like multiple logs or multiple pieces of wood so Torah isn't sustained by an individual you need a community that's what Rabbi Yosef so that presumably isn't necessarily about chavruta that's about a community of scholars okay but this is also what Rabbi Yosef Rabbi Chanina says what's meant by the verse a sword against the badim we'll see how it translates that and they will be foolish a sword should be against the Hater, the haters of these sages of the stu- of the rabbis, which really means the sages of the rabbis, but we don't want to say something bad about them. But in the following circumstances, bad bevad, if you learn singly alone, um, so that's el habadim. If you're learning by yourself and not the chavruta, so now we're not now we're not talking about community in general, but specifically about chavruta. If you're learning singly and not the chavruta, a sword should be against you. The low of the Torah. Low ode, and not only are they doing something like you know, are they doing something bad? You know, Ella the Ella Shemitakshim. Not only are they not getting sharper, they're getting stupider. Okay, they become stupid. Shenemar vino alu, they'll be foolish. Low ode, Ella Shechotim, and it's a foolishness, it's a sin. See, I mean, if you're involved in Torah, to be foolish is to is to not be doing your obligations. Ksiv hachal vino alu to be foolish, but ksiv also asher no alu v'asher chatanu. We've acted foolishly and we have sinned. 
He buys Sabin Lehoch if you want from here. No Alu Sharet Soan, Vituet Mitzrayim. So they act foolishly, the, the, the princes of Soan, and they have led astray Egypt. So being foolish in Torah, particularly in Halacha, leads to going astray. Yourself, leading others astray, leads ultimately to sin. Okay, so the great responsibility of, you know, accuracy and sharpening yourself, pushing yourself, and what that means in terms of also the sense of community and particularly learning Bechavruta. Okay, so a lot of powerful statements here about Torah. It's a, you know, it's a source of life, the importance of Chavruta, the downside of it. If it's done wrong, it's a source of death. The importance of character, you know, how you, you know, if somebody is Roy, not Roy. So, you know, a lot of, uh, but all communicated, as I said, through a wealth of different imageries. Okay. Uh, where are we? Um, okay. Um, Again, notice the way also these things are introduced with Lama Nimshalu. The Gemara is even drawing out the different usage of imagery. Why is Torah compared like a, to, to a tree? It's a tree of life. So we're still on the same theme, although a little nuanced. The same way when you make a fire, you need like the little twigs in order to get the big logs to catch on fire. So no longer even in Chavruta. Now we're talking about the younger, the, you know, the younger students, the more you know, sharpen the, uh, the, the 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 more senior ones. The, um, the um, so the same way, the small little twigs get the big bonfire, get the big logs to catch on fire. This is what Rabbi Chanina says. I've learned much from my masters. From my colleagues, more than my masters, and mitamidai yoter mikulam, and from my students more than all of them. Why is it that the sense that the students more than all? So Rashi says, Tani Mechadim, Rashi, I know it's about 20 lines from the bottom, he says, Shisholim Koshah, they're like relentless. They're constantly nudging you because they have all these questions and they have maybe the, you know, the enthusiasm of youth. You know, you could also say because they ask like the, the stupid questions that if, you know, that nobody else asks, but those are the real good questions. You know, sometimes you're too much, in, you know, taken in by the norms of the, uh, you know, discipline that you're a part of that like you don't ask the more fundamental questions that are the ones that like really need asking. You know, somebody says, I want to ask a stupid question. You're like, oh no, this is going to be a hard one. <laughs> so, so anyway, but this is the, uh, again, the imagery of fire and of wood. Now it's no longer an eighth of tree, but an eighth of like wood, you know, is again used to the importance of the dynamism that is in Torah. And I do want to say something again about that. You know, again, I don't know because I'm not a farmer and I haven't like, you know, don't really have this full experience of what it means rain and rain when you need it and the different types of rain but at least from my you know non-farmer perspective using some other imagery um, gives much more dynamism to say towers like rain to me is a little boring water nurturing okay fire you know lighting fires little twigs you know sharpening uh, sharpening knives one against another there's much more I think a sense of like of you know dynamism and life that's being conveyed this way so again it is an interesting question of which is your prime frame of reference here. Okay, so now the Gemara continues the following way. Um, back to water. Well, I just mentioned water. Now we are circling back to water, not rain, but water. Rabbi Chanina bar Papa Rami. Rabbi Chanina bar Papa shows a contradiction. See, one verse says, um, to, to uh, to greet the, the thirsty, bring out water. Um, another verse says, Come all thirsty, come to water. So does thirsty come to water or do you bring the water to them? 
In Talmud Hagamu, again, back to an appropriate student. If he's an appropriate student, we crossed some Mehitayimai, bring water to him. You should even go out of your way to teach Torah to an appropriate student. And if he's not appropriate, let him come for the water. Let him maybe show a little, you know, a little uh, motivation or a little perseverance to really, you know, if, if he really wants to do it. Maybe it'll be a good test. Maybe it'll bring out a stronger part of his character. It is interesting. One should note that here he is still at Sameh. He still is thirsting for Torah. You know, so he, what's Eino Hagun? Eino Hagun doesn't mean like he's like there kicking and screaming. He wants to be learning Torah. He is thirsty. But maybe certain students, you need them to a little bit prove their mettle, you know, in order before, before you start, you know, giving them what you have to teach. Rabbi Khanina Bar Chama Rami. Rabbi Khanina Bar Chama shows a contradiction. See, it says, Yafotsu Mayanoteka Chutza. Your wellspring should uh, burst forth to the outside. Famous Pus, famous Pus, quoted in the, uh, by the, uh, um, by, uh, what? his name by um, the uh, Baal Shem Tov, right? Isn't that in the letter of the Baal Shem Tov? Anyway, he says that in his, like, this vision that he had, they said, you know, when is Mashiach going to come? And he was told, Mashiach isn't going to come. Actually, until your wellsprings, like, burst forth, until, I guess, Hasidic teaching spreads forth throughout uh, the world. Anyway, so, uh, you're, so here your wellsprings will burst forth out to the outside. V'ksiv, another verse says, So again, Torah here is water, back to the Torah being water, right? The well, the wellspring water, but the other passage says, keep it to yourself. Don't let it, spur, you know, burst to the outside. So, so what's the answer? In Talmud Hagan who, so if you're teaching an appropriate student, then your well, you know, your Torah, your wellsprings can burst to the outside, you can share with him all of your Torah. The but if he's not appropriate, you have to keep some of it to yourself. Right? Because specifically we're talking about like the esoteric, you know, Maise Merkova, Maise Bracious, but maybe it also means you have to be a little bit discerning, you know? Again, the similar type of a concern to like the Shaloli Shema, closer to the point of potential misuse, you know? Some people hear things and hear what they want to hear, and maybe you have to be a little bit more careful of exactly what you're sharing and how you're saying it. Here, why is it explicitly, why is it made compared to water? To see if called some Lomar Lomarlachat tell you, the same way water grows from the high place and finds the low place, you know, finds out the low land. So again, going back to this issue of Hagun and Eino Hagun, and here being a little bit more explicit about what's, Eino, what's Hagun, somebody who is a lowly, of a, you know, of, of a lowly mind, which means here in a positive way, which means somebody who's humble, okay? So the Torah stays with somebody who is humble. The Amr Rebbe Yoshaya says Rebbe Yoshaya Lamanim Shulu Dibetor Lishlosha Mashkim Halalu Why has Torah been compared to the following three liquids? What are the three liquids? B'mayim U'biyayin U'bechalav Water, wine, and milk V'ksiv Water says Hoi Kotamei L'chul L'mayim V'ksiv And another verse says L'chushivu V'yacholu Go and purchase and eat L'chushivu And go purchase Below chesef Below mechir Without money And without exchange Yayin V'chalav Wine and milk And that's understood To refer to Torah so why is Torah compared to water, wine, and milk? tell you, the way you keep water, wine, and milk fresh is you keep them not in like fancy gold and silver vessels, as we'll see. You keep them in pottery vessels, and that helps keep them fresh. 
Similarly, Torah is only kept by somebody who is humble, you know, is not taken by themselves. And the, the lowliness of the vessel helps contain the Torah within. So the daughter of the Caesar said to Rabbi Yoshua, Ben Chanina, what beautiful Torah is being kept in such a disgusting vessel? Apparently, Rabbi Yoshua Ben Chanina was 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 somewhat ugly. So Amr Law, so he said to her, Avicha Rami Chamra Bimani Depachra. Does your father keep his wine in pottery vessels? Amr Law, she said to him, El Bimani. I mean, what do you think we should, should be putting it in? Amr Law, he said to her, Atun Dechashavisu. Look, you guys, you're so important. You're the Caesar's household. Rami Bimani Dava Bechaspa. Why don't you put it in gold and silver vessels? So Azla, she went. She said to her father, Well, let's put our wine in gold and silver vessels. Okay, uh, so they did it. The talkies, and it be, and it turned sour. So people came and said, to, uh, um, and said to the Caesar, what happened? So Amr so he said, Labarte, he said to his daughter, Man Amr who told me to do this? Where did you get this crazy idea? Amr she said to him, Rabbi Yoshua ben Chanina, so this was Rabbi. So Karyua, they called him, Amr they said to him, Am I a martyr Why did you tell this to her? Amr he said to this either, Yehi to Amr what she said to me, I said to her. He said, You want to keep something beautiful in an ugly vessel. So I said that to Rashi says, He did not explicitly tell her, like, you should put it in this other vessel. Like, that would be playing with fire in the Caesar's house. What Raji says is he was responding to her rhetorically and she interpreted it as a literal suggestion. You know, well, why don't you put your wine gold and silver? Said, oh, that's a good idea. So he wasn't actually suggesting it. Anyway, okay, so the Gemara said, now the Gemara actually, we talked before about empirical evidence. The Gemara actually does challenge this empirical. The Gemara says, Ra'ika Shafiri Gibbidimiri, what do you mean? There are very uh, handsome people, good looking people that no told, huh? So the Gemara says, You know, if they were ugly, they would know even more than they know now. So, Rutozo says, not necessarily if they were ugly, but if they valued beauty less, or if society valued beauty less, not necessarily we want them to be ugly, but anyway, it's not, you know, it still gets in the way. Our own sense of being a little bit too taken by ourselves doesn't allow us to be completely dedicated and self-sacrificing and also maybe search for truth in the same way. Maybe we get a little bit too much focused on our own sense of what's right and not a full sense of, you know, of, of being out of the sense of this lowly vessel that can really sustain and contain everything. That or sour grapes. What? Yeah. That or sour grapes. Yeah, okay. All right. Anyway. Summer Sanu is like snow. Yeah. Yeah, but like the mean, like it reject that more. They no, no, no. Well, that's I think like Tosus reads it, but Rashi just, um, 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 I think just reads it if they were like if they were more disgusting, like not you know. Not, so so yeah, um, Tosus says in Hayusun in Hayofi. Okay, that's how Tosa says it. The process of the previous Amud. Okay. Um, okay. Back to these three liquids now. They only will spoil if you stop paying attention to them. You don't put, you know, you don't put the cover back on and put them in the fridge. So, ah, although water exactly not clear, but as he says, you know, it'll get impurities will fall into it. Um, so you have to cover it and protect it. 
Torah will only be forgotten if you stop paying attention to it, which is an interesting way of phrasing it, you know, as opposed to saying like, like, you know, it, it'll so easily be forgotten unless you really work at paying attention. Here it's like more like the negative, which is a little bit more reassuring. As long as you don't have Hesachadas, it won't be forgotten. I don't know. To me, it's a little bit more, more reassuring than saying you, you, you have to repeat it, you know, you have to constantly pay attention or, or else, or else, you, or, or else you'll lose it. Uh, but anyway, but, um, but that is also very different than the idea of being, a, you know, a, a, a nice vessel or an, or an ugly vessel. Here it's saying, maybe if it's in a nice vessel, that won't cause it to be forgotten. It'll only be forgotten if you stop, if you stop focusing and paying attention to it. Now, so that's with a whole big digression about Torah. You see again, sort of the world that's that's the uh, the bigger frame of reference of the Gemara is the Torah. But now we're circling back to the rain, which is where we started. So we said the day of rain is like the day of giving of the Torah. The day of rain is like the resurrection. And now we're going to get another thing about the power of the day of rain. I'm Rebbe Chanina. I'm Rebbe Chanina. Gadol Yom Agishamim Kiyom Shenivu Shemayim Baret is as great as the date of the creation of the heaven and the earth. Shenemar. The, the heavens will like drip forth from above and the, uh, the, the heavens also whatever will, uh, will, will flow righteousness the earth will open up and uh, salvation will flower forth salvation and righteousness will blossom together I God have created it Beratim lo nemar doesn't say created them the heavens elibrativ it what's the it here so the Gemara understands that the it is the rain is the uh, you know so it's the uh, it's what the heavens are dripping forth so therefore the rain and it uses the word bara to create so it's like the creation of the world and of the heaven and the earth now I do want to also say something about these metaphors about rain and this is very important to the theme we're dealing with. Right, because the question is, and this is going to be a major focus, is the whole importance of the rain, because we need the rain in order to live, and therefore we pray because without having the rain, we don't have what is sustaining us. But, or, that's one way of learning it. But what we are going to see in this Masechet, and I think it's already been alluded to, is much more than that. It's that the presence or absence of rain, besides its importance in our, you know, just uh, uh, physical well-being, is a, is, is a manifestation of God's closeness or distance to us. And we've talked about that. You know, we pray up to God. The, the rain comes down from God. It's about giving light, but ultimately it's a, it's a manifestation of God's connection to us. So therefore, these ideas, it's like the day of the resurrection. You could read this as, oh, because resurrection is not giving life, and rain gives food, which is life. It's like the Torah. Torah gives spiritual life, rain gives physical life. But also, all of these things are very much about God's, like, direct interaction with the world, right? God creates the world. You know, Mason is like this worldwide, you know, obviously miraculous, almost recreation, and, you know, about the future, and the giving of the Torah is the direct manner, you know, is God's revelation. So all of these things, rain then becomes about God's, revealing God's presence in this world, you know, and us experiencing God's presence in this world in a way that brings life and brings creation and brings all these things, but it's all very much also about God's very self, you know, and manifest presence. And that certainly seems to be like a common theme here and something that we're going to be regularly revisiting. One hundred percent dependent upon the natural occurrence of rain. 
you mean that it was more than just the that they saw they saw religious meaning in it and they saw a sense of like is are we feeling God is we see the rain we feel the the immediate sense of God answering our prayers and God desiring us that's what I'm sensing from the Gemara. Whether you're describing man's interaction with rain today? No, not with rain today. I think, I think, like I said earlier, I think, with, I think today we are. First of all, we're very scientific, and we don't see it religiously at all. And, and number two is most of us here are completely removed from that reality, so we don't treat it with that much import. And even if we were in the reality and developed economies, the rain, the that's also true our dependency on rain right I mean it depends where I mean in Israel people are much more sensitive to that sense of the, but yes I completely agree I'm not at all suggesting that's our experience I'm saying that that is I think both the physical reality you know of the Gemara it's dependency and the power of it and their lived lives and their religious sensibilities you know and the lack of I think how they have read everything through a scientific lens I mean I also think that's an important point as well which is even for people that understand that there are other natural causes to things I think there's a question of a the primary lens of which we interpret reality like I think for us it's not just that we understand there are natural causes we, 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 we really interpret everything through a scientific lens through natural causes as opposed to a, a type of a mentality that fundamentally interprets things or, you know, religiously, even if they could understand that there are also natural explanations for things. Yeah, so right. Are you analyzing this or are you asserting that it's an error? Um, I'm not asserting it's an error. <laughs> I'm talking about different, different perspectives, you know, just different ways of interpreting reality. I mean, both could be true, but there's a question of what's your primary lens. All right, anyway, so, that, but yes, I am talking about very much how I think the Gemara is... Uh, is experiencing this based on all of those things it's religious mentality and it's the way the role that rain played and their connection to the role that rain played and I do think that as we'll see that consistently is the theme of this of of this Masechet so again not just its importance because look it gives life but because of look God is operating in the world and we're experiencing God's operating in the world Um, I'm Rabbi Oshaya says Rabbi Oshaya Gadol Yom Gishamim great is the day of rain Shafiri Yeshua even salvation it's fruitful and multiplies on a day of rain so there again is a nice expression rain is when it's raining that's also a sense of divine salvation um, as the verse says the land will open up and salvation will, will, will multiply will um, and now so I really think these are all very intimately connected if rain is also about God's presence you know and salvation God's sort of you know bringing God you know um, um, uh, nurturing to the world and immediate you know acting in the world so that it also connects very much to our uh, sins um, um, so the, or our mitzvot so therefore, if it's raining, it means that our sins have been forgiven, that God is close to us, God desires us. What's that closeness about? That our sins are forgiven? Now, by the way, whoever said we sinned? 
And this also puts an important twist on the Masechah. The Masechah is it's not raining. Oh my God, we have to cry out. Maybe we sinned, etc. And we'll talk about the role that sin plays. But when you say the day your sins are forgiven, what does that associate with? Your sins are forgiven. Like, oh, like it's Yom Kippur. It's a day of grace. It's a day of... I wasn't even thinking I had sins. But the fact that it's raining shows me how much God desires me. You know, it's a completely expression of divine love and divine grace. Uh, well, maybe also right, right about the water as purification. Although, right, I don't exactly see that here, but okay. But I do see it as again as an expression that that how how much God God is close to us and intimate with us. Yes. The power of our sins have the power to disrupt the course of nature. Right. And that we're going to see in the remainder of the Masechah. But I'm saying even before that, I mean, it's one thing to say, we've sinned, it hasn't rained, we'll do tshuva, it'll rain, that'll show that we fixed our problem. This is like, we didn't even acknowledge that there was a problem. It's raining, that shows that how much God loves us. You know, and the very expression of rain is an expression about, like, unconditional love. And I've forgiven anything wrong that you've ever done. Repsita Hashem God, you have desired your land. Shavta Shavus Yaakov, you have returned the returning of Jacob. Nasata Avona you have lifted off the sin of your nation. Kisita Kochatatam Sela, you have covered over all of their sins. Amalei of Ziri, the Yahavat, Liravina, so Ziri from Yahavat, as Raji points out, it's not the Ziri Stam who lived much earlier, said to Ravina, you learn out that idea from that Pasuk you just quoted. Anan, we, we learn out from the following Pasuk. You'll hear the heavens and you will forgive the sin of your people. Now that Pasuk is different. Because that Pasuk was we read when we started Tani from the Tzvi of Shlomo is, there's no rain, people will cry out to you and you'll forgive them and bring the rain. But that's very much that process of starting with a sense of sin and the distance because of sin. Again, I think it gets a different valence when you just start by saying, if it's raining, it means any sin you've had has been forgiven. The rains are only withhold. Now we get to the reverse. If the presence of rain is God is giving of the Torah, salvation, forgiving of sin, then the absence of rain is a sense of God distancing from us. And therefore, if there's no rain, if they're being withheld, it's because the Jewish people, or literally the haters of the Jews, yeah, are deserving. Israel are Jews. Are Jews, right? Are deserving destruction. Shenemar, as the verse says, Tziagam Chom Yigzulu Sheled Sheol Chato. So the, uh, the, the, the famine and the heat, they have stolen the rains of the snow, they have uh, sinned to the very depths. Um, so, so if there's the, the thirst and the heat, meaning there's no rain and the, and the, um, and the, the, the rain, the waters of the rain have been taken away, that's because they deserve to go down to the Sha'ol, to the very death because of their sins. We limit out from the following verse. I will hold back the heavens. 
you'll be quickly driven from the land so very clearly you know if you sin no rain and you're driven from the land one does wonder why it did not quote that pasuk which is in the Torah much more sensible much easier to pasuk to interpret but anyway but maybe again maybe that's you know at the collective and or that's about exile this is about Gehenna or destruction but anyway not exactly clear why one would have gone to the earlier verse rather than this Amor so again, focusing now on what absence of rain means, rains are only withheld. Now we're getting to more minor sins, you know, and now we're getting, I think, to the lesser point about the broader theological meaning and sort of, uh, you know, the interpretation of reality to this type of a sense of this thing happens for this particular sin, like a type of a correspondence. Okay, Shenemar, as the verse says. Why is it that you're not getting the waters of the snow and, 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 the, and, and the rain? Because of chom. Because of things I have told you, tziyah, like tziva, things I've commanded you about the summer and the sunny months, the spring and the summer, which is to give the trumas and nices when you're harvesting the grain. What does so, tziyah itself mean? The pshat? Uh, thirst. Um, yeah, uh, the low... That means sameh. So, yeah. The uh, low, Sally, you want to say something? Okay. The low, I see them and you didn't do them. Um, so if you did not do the things I would see in the days of the sun, then the rains will be stolen from you in the times of the rain. Now, of course, there, by the way, there is the logic there is, is that I do think this makes it a little bit less, a little more mundane. You know, it's a little bit like equivalence, but the logic you understand. The logic is, Trumas and Mises is about giving from the grain that grew as a result of the agricultural blessing. If you do not acknowledge God and God's gifts and God's presence and God's hands in your agricultural bounty, the response will be that you will be punished accordingly and you will not get blessed in the same way. So there's a very you know, logical type of a correspondence there. Um, and now we get to maybe a little less of a logical correspondence. The rains are withheld because people speak uh, evil tongues. So the, uh, the, the northern wind will like blow away the rain and, uh, and like an uh, angry face will uh, um, like, uh, like uh, 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 you know, a, a speech in, 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 in hiding or in private, a secret speech. So what does that mean? It means that the, so it's read that obviously the Lushon Seter is Lushon Hara, gossip, which is said in private, and as a result of that, the wind will blow away the rain, and you will not, and you won't have the rain. So again, I don't exactly get the correspondence there. Amar of Sala, Amar of Hamnuna, in what? Your wind can death. Uh, you're, the you're power about wind. Right, so the power of right, so that's the power of the wind. Right, I was thinking about that the ruach is, the, but but the question about the power of the of the rain, you know, so it, the rain, in other words, gives life. All right, it's your ruach, your ruach blew away the rain, as it were, yeah, a different type of a ruach. Right, I see. Right, right. So you're not going to get the light. Right, right. No, that I see. Yeah. Okay, right. That's true. Right. Okay. Uh, but I was talking like specifically in the context of rain. I thought you were also speaking about the ruach. The ring blows away the rain. Yeah, I understand. I understand. Okay. Amar of Salah, Amar of Abduna. Amar of Salah, Amar of Abduna. So rain is withheld because of brazenness. 
Okay, again, don't exactly get the exact correspondence. Shinemar, the Uru Makosh withheld, you know, uh, the uh, red drops and the rain. Umakosh Lohaya, there was no rain. Umesa Chishazuna Hayalach. And the, the forehead of a, of, of a, of a, of a, uh, of a brazen woman or of a prostitute you had. So that brazenness is somehow drives away the rain. Again, it's in the Buzzbook, but I don't get the exact correspondence. Now that we're talking about brazenness, any person who has brazenness, um, ultimately it leads to sin, which usually, uh, here, and here means uh, sexual sin. Right, so it talks about you know sexual sin um, uh, and somehow con- connected with the meitzach with the brazenness. Uh, presumably, it means maybe if you're not ashamed, sometimes you know it's shame that keep people from sinning, of being afraid they'll be found out. If you have no shame, then you'll give in to your lustful desire. It's not; it will lead to sin if you're showing brazenness. That's a indicator that you have already sinned. Again, particularly sexual sin. Shne'emar hayalach. A, uh, right, ishad zona hayalach. You had a prostitute. So lo nemer yialach. You will have a prostitute. So reading meitzach. If it's a meitzach, then ishad zona hayalach. So that brazenness is coming from a way of maybe covering over, you know, your, uh, the sins that you have done, um, and your sexual sins. Amarabba, uh, Barafuna. Koladim Shishwaz is part of anybody that has brazenness. Mutually close to Russia. You can call them evil. So the same way before we digressed about Torah, now we're digressing about brazenness. Shinemar, Haiz Ishrasha Bifanav. So like, uh, you know, to, uh, uh, be strong against like a, uh, a wicked person in his face. So, and it calls him an Ish Rasha, wicked. So you can call him wicked. But Nachman by Yitzchakamar Mutzulis Noso, you can hate him. Shenemar, the Ace Panav Yishuna, the strength of his face will change. Altuki Yishuna will change. Ella Yisne, you shall hate him. Amarav Katina. All right, so that was a digression about brazenness. Is there a, I don't have too much to say about that. Is there yes. something behavioral about when, they, when the Gemara says, you know, so in yes. other words, it's like in your heart and in your mind, or do you stop talking to them? Do you stop yeah. doing this with them? Uh, yeah, it's a good question. Um, um, I mean, it's, to one degree, it's, it's referring to the Buzzard of Lotisna Sachicha Bilvavecha, so saying it's mutually snow so, but there actually are some practical implications for that, you know, in various Gemaras. So I think it probably means both, but you're right, it's not being elaborated here. So to come full cycle, if, you know, and I, again, one also wonders if there's an echo here about all this brazenness about a Talmud Chacham of a good character and not a good character, but now we're coming full cycle about Torah and rain. So we never said before that it rains because of our Torah, but here we're saying that um, that if there's no rain, it is because of Bittel Torah. Um, by the way, the section. I, I, let's just go on. Okay. Um, it says the Atzotayim with uh, this is being read as in the laziness, like you know, being Atzel Yimach Hamikra. The Mikra will become weak. So what does this mean? Shil Atzus Shahaya. Israel, because of the laziness, they did not fully involve themselves in Torah. Not the Sono Shel Karisbarach. Before we talk about Sonaim Shel Chavidei Chachamim and Sonaim Shel Israel, here we're talking about Sono Shel Karisbarach, which is a way of saying God. Okay, but we don't want to say something bad about God. But it's as if God became mach weak. Our lack of Torah weakened God. 
ve'en mach el ani. Mach means that a poor, to be weak, or to, to impoverish. The machu me'erkecha. Ve'en mikra, how do you know mikra means God? Elakadosh baruchu, she'nemar ha'mekareh amamayim aliyotav. God spreads his uh, upper chambers with, with water. So, and again, with water, so means the rain will be weakened. Now here, besides the idea of Torah, water, rain, to- rain, water, and that obvious connection, I think the other point here is also about this whole thing I was, go- I was talking about, about the sense of the, uh, how, how the intimacy and God's presence manifests presence and connection to us. Our learning of Torah is our way of being close to God, right? Our way of connecting to Dvar Hashem. Right? And let's also not forget that, you know, Dvar Hashem comes down from heaven like the rain comes down. Yizal Kamatar Mikri. So our side of that relationship is our learning of the Torah. If we weaken our side, then we're also like weakening, you know, God, as it were, and we're weakening God's ability to, you know, be present and connect to us in a similar manner. And that way of God's connecting, you know, is expressed through the rain. So there really seems here to be not just about Torah's water, but about this sense of this relationship and this, uh, you know, and this this this, uh, this way of manifesting the uh, the connection. We do it through Torah. If we're weak in it, then that weakens God's connection to us as well. Um, okay. Um, Rav Yosef says from here will be the last thing. The Atal lo ra'u'ur bagir hu b'shachakim v'ruach avrag v'tetaharein. And you did not see the light, the clear light in the up in the heavens, and the wind uh, will pass, you know, pass through and 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 cleanse them. Rain or el Torah, the light is Torah. Shenemar kinyami sa v'Torah or bagir hu b'shachakim. And so therefore, if we were not ra'u'ur. So then the wind passes away and clears the sky of clouds and clears away the, ri- the, the rain if we did not see the light of Torah. Um, and um, and it is clear in the, in the heavens. Even when the heavens are like little splotches, meaning that it's, you know, it's getting dark and cloudy, and it looks like it's going to rain, but if you didn't learn Torah, Ruach of Rabbitsitarain, a wind will pass by and clear, you know, cleanse it, but I mean clear it from clouds so there won't be rain. Um, and, uh, okay, so I guess we will end here and we will pick up tomorrow with other reasons why the rains might be withheld. All right.